Hi, you're listening to the Indie Bookshelf podcast with me, Holly. And me, Amy. As we champion the indie book industry, from independent authors and publishers to independent bookshops. We have a range of literary discussions and book recommendations to indulge your love for all things bookish. The Indie Bookshelf podcast is brought to you by Asturia Press, our indie publishing house specialising in feel-good fantasy books. And in today's episode, we're discussing the genre of cosy fantasy. What is it, what we love about it, and some of the highlights of the genre. So make yourself comfortable and let's dive right in. Just for the benefit of all you lovely listeners, both Amy and I are feeling a little spaced out right now. So if this is a slightly rambly podcast, we do apologise. I hope it provide some bookish inspiration and joy anyway. Just, just join us for the ride. That's the one. <laughs> um, Amy, what do you think of when you hear the term cosy fantasy? What do I think of? I think of something that is joyful. And that's, I think, a word that's going to be repeated a lot in this episode. Um, cosy fantasy it falls within the realms of all of the cozies, doesn't it? Um, it's not necessarily without strong emotions and tumultuous events and, uh, you know, difficult themes. But with all of that, there is a sense of comfort and security. Um, I think a strong parallel would be the cozy murder mystery genre, which can manages to to be a hug in a book whilst talking about death so cozy fantasy does does all of all of the big lofty things that fantasy does whilst also being a nice warm friend yeah i think in some ways the fantasy bit is is the obvious bit it's kind of oh yeah fantasy there's probably gonna be a a dragon or a wizard or a vampire or something um unusual involved um but it's then when you get to the time cozy and what does that really mean um and I think you've you've hit the nail on the head in like comparing it to cozy murder mystery it's um and I think if we compare it to like other subgenres within fantasy so you have like your high fantasy um which is you know the classic um J.R.R. Tolkien style um and you've got your dark fantasy, very big um, subgenre right now. Um, lots of morally grey characters, um, quite a lot of that grittier side. You've got your epic fantasies. Um, and Cozy, I guess, has is, is, is just got the lighthearted vibe. Um, I think it's got the... Not that it hasn't got the adventure and the suspense, but it somehow manages to be comforting throughout that. It's like a rom-com. You know you're going to get the humour and the um, the easy read as well. Um, you know you're not going to have to spend a quarter of the book figuring out who's who. <laughs> I think which is, can be a feature of some epic fantasy books. Um, my husband is currently in the middle of reading June, which is sci-fi as opposed to fantasy, but like... He had to work to uh, figure out what was going on. <laughs> I don't think that's a, a characteristic of cosy fantasy. Mm. I think another important element, I think what makes it cosy 
is the way it speaks to our life. So if you look, I'm going to use Cozy Murder Mystery because that's a really big genre at the minute and it's, you know, well-known, um, greatly popularised by Richard Osman, um, although I don't think he's my favourite name in the genre. I do love the genre. It's a bit of a guilty pleasure for me. <laughs> but what what makes it stand out from a crime fiction, for instance, is the setting and the characterization. Um, the setting is generally speaking quite homely and quite like relatable, and the characters are they're likable and they're they're round and they're warm, and it's there's a, a heavy emphasis placed on the relationships in in the stories. Um, mm which is what we also see in uh, Cozy Fantasy, uh, the big name we'll return to a lot in this podcast and in every other podcast, is TJ Klune. Um, all of his books are about relationships, friendships, family, um, romantic relationships, all of that. Like That's at the heart of the books, and it is, it's woven into the fantasy elements, um, I think that's what makes it cozy. It's it's about it's about human nature above all else. That's a really insightful point. Um and I don't think I'd I'd picked up on that, but I think you're absolutely right. Um it's it really is about about the everyday relationships. Um and in particular making you want to root for those relationships. Um and they will always have a satisfying ending, I guess, is the other um, sort of non-negotiable trope of cosy fantasy. It's a bit like your cosy murder mystery. You know the detective is going to solve it in the end um, in one way or the other. Um, oh, not without peril, but... No, oh, yeah. There, there can be the danger in there, but you know it's going to have a satisfying ending. Just um, of a very visual scene in... Um, it was the Marlowe Murder Club where... Oh, I can't spoil it, but there's, like... There's some strong peril in that book, but it's still incredibly cosy. Um, what you just said, the everyday, and I think it's true of cosy murder mystery and it's true of cosy fantasy. It's about finding the everyday in the fantastical. Mm. Um, and that's where the comfort comes. Yeah. What do you um, love most about cosy fantasy? a really great question i think it will have to be it will have to be the relationships and the just the the encouragement to be friends with the character um you can't read a cozy mystery without just getting in mystery cozy fantasy without just um wanting to climb into the story and like walk alongside the main characters um and you end up finishing the book and being incredibly sad. You're no longer with those characters anymore. Um, but I think that's what I love the most is is knowing knowing the people. What about you? I think for me, cozy fantasy combines two of my absolutely favorite things about reading. So on the one hand, you have the the magical and the adventure and you have the out of this world and you have the escapist kind of 
reality that, I mean, I maybe, I'm hoping other people agree with me on this. I kind of wish we lived in a fantasy world sometimes, not with all like the, you know, dying and stuff, but with the, with the cool stuff, you know, with the fact that I'd love it if, you know, we could do magic. How cool would that be? This kind of thing, which, and I think the fantasy element um, allows me to live in that kind of escapist, fun, adventurous, um, just supernatural world. But that is then mirrored by the fact that I feel entirely safe while reading it. And I know that it's also very comforting. It is so feel good. It is so much of like a, an indulgent read. Um, and so on the one hand, you've got this sort of adventure and on the other hand, you can switch off because you know it's going to have a good ending and it's going to have a happy ending and the, the two main characters are going to get together or in some way have a satisfying romantic end. <laughs> or like, you know that there are the good guys and the bad guys and you know that in some way the good will triumph over the bad and you just you don't have to worry about any of that you know and so it somehow manages to cater to that kind of comfort side as well as the adventurous side and I think that's what I love about cozy fantasy is it is its blend and the fact that it it holds my hand and it allows me to fly at the same time that was beautiful well, thank you. This is why you're the writer. <laughs> <laughs> and while you're stringing such beautiful words together, why do you think cozy fantasy isn't particularly well known? This is an excellent question. Um, I should know. I wrote it, <laughs> but um, the honest, I've not. I I don't really know what the answer is. Um. I came across Cozy Fantasy this year. I started writing Cozy Fantasy before I knew what Cozy Fantasy was. <laughs> I think I've read two or three Cozy Fantasy books that I would sit, say sit squarely within that genre um, to date, as opposed to things which kind of have elements of the Cozy Fantasy, but also elements of something else. Um, and it's not something that is very well known about. So if I, I remember we were at the London Book Fair and we were having a conversation with another indie publisher and um, the guy asked us, what what genre of books do you publish? And your response, Amy, was Cozy Fantasy. And his immediate question was, oh, what's that? I know about Cozy Murder Mystery. What's Cozy Fantasy? Now, part of me just wanted to respond isn't it obvious from the name <laughs> but there's also part of me going isn't that interesting we've got you know an indie publisher here somebody who'd worked in the publishing industry for years and the term cozy fantasy through him I haven't really answered your question there. I don't know whether you want to give a better answer to that than me oh that's fine I um also can't really answer it um I I don't know I don't like to say that things aren't particularly well known about just because I don't know about them. I think that would be a little too cocky, even for me. So perhaps it is just because I, I haven't been paying attention to it. And um, a lot of what I grew up reading, what was like a, a huge trend while I was growing up, was 
YA dystopia and new adult dystopia and you'll be able to place my year groups exactly by this but but vampires so that kind of like dark fantasy was what was um and sci-fi was what was really really popular and publishers work on trends so the the big books that are being pushed are the ones that suit that genre and fit into that so we just see more of what we know whereas I'm sure that there were people the same age as me that just managed to get into different genres and therefore seeing more of that now than I am just because they see more of what they know but yes I think there's a lot of big names in in other subgenres of fantasy and when when you're trying to market against that, you're you're acquired a voice in the crowd, which might be why fewer people have heard of cozy fantasy. I think I have a couple of um, sort of responses to that, and certainly we we grew up in the same kind of year group, so it's absolutely the case that the kind of books we were coming across at the age, sort of the teenage age, um, weren't in the cozy fantasy genre. And they may well have been elsewhere, but there's also a bit of me that kind of thinks on Amazon there's no cosy fantasy subgenre, um, as opposed to the fact that there is that subgenre very well known for cosy murder mystery, for example. Um, something like dark fantasy or urban fantasy um are very well established tropes, whereas I feel like although cosy fantasy has probably always existed, it hasn't been well established as a well-known trope um in the same way that some of the other classics maybe have. And I I wonder whether some it has something to do with two different trends. One is the fact that the classics of the fantasy genre tend to be serious in some way. They're epics. They are dealing with questions of life and death and morality. And, and there's something about the cosy fantasy genre where it's deliberately trying not to take it. 100% seriously and is deliberately playing up the humor and playing down the seriousness and I wonder whether that almost cu almost cuts against the grain of some of the traditional fantasy um, and where the genre where the big names in the western fantasy genre really came from um, but I also wonder to what extent the queer community um, have affected the cozy fantasy genre my my limited understanding so far is that cozy fantasy has really been pioneered by queer authors um, T.J. Clune being a very famous example, um, but there are very like there are other examples as well. One book that springs to mind um, is Legends and Lattes, um, and I wonder to what extent cozy fantasy has been an emerging genre as queer voices have been represented more in the more recent years, um, and whether maybe it hasn't it it feels new because of that. Mm. That's exactly what I was going to say, actually. Um, so I was going to say that there's something to be said for a for the strength of a cult following. And like you said, um, I think first and foremost, TJ Clune is writing queer stories. Um, and what he wants to see more of is... But he writes a lot of um, positive queer relationships that... Um, are happy and the main source of conflict is external it's not 
internal, like the relationships are happy and they're not being interrogated based on their sexual identity. So they just, they're allowed to be. And possibly most importantly, they don't die at the end, which you don't see implicitly or explicitly anywhere else in fantasy. Um, you don't see these positive representations. You don't see it just being portrayed as, you know, them existing. Um, and when you do, they die. Um, so being able to write these fantasies that are cosy, and they are cosy because people like them are allowed to just exist in, in the fictional realm, um, I think has just been a really powerful tool for um, the queer community to be writing stories for them um, and among them. Um, so it's not that it isn't particularly known about, it's just that it's not widely known about. Um, oh, I could go on and on, but I won't. <laughs> <laughs> I think that was one of the things that really struck me when I read The House in the Cerulean Sea, actually, was the fact that there are all sorts of obstacles in the main character's way. However, one of the few things that really was never an obstacle was his sexual orientation. Mm. And that really struck a chord um, with me, I think, because I'd never seen a book where sexual orientation, a, a, a different sexual orientation didn't present an obstacle, but instead was just a perfectly normal part of society and it was other stuff that was getting in the way. <laughs> Um, and it was really powerful. It was really moving. Yes. Um, and I mean, all of his books are like this. Um, and those relationships haven't been coded. They're not hidden behind a veil because they don't need to be and shouldn't need to be. And that, I think, is where some of this joy comes from. We're expressing um, human identities without judgment or hatred um and i think that comes back to the definition of cozy is is just it's it's an expression of humanity through the fant fantasy the lens of the fantasy genre mm. and maybe if we um pick up on the cozy murder mystery as a good um analogy here we often find in the cozy murder mystery elderly detectives um that's a really big trope obviously richard osman um has taken that up and miss marple i suppose was in many ways the original um but there's something again about their you know that's uh, an age group that isn't often represented as the main character um mm. all those with agency all those with agency and yeah they're the ones who are at the center of um, many cozy murder mysteries um or you have the eccentric genius who is very clever in some ways and entirely socially inept in others um take that as Sherlock Holmes is a very famous example of that and again I think one of one of the joys of this of the cozy genre in the murder mystery is again the fact that they take these main characters who maybe look slightly different to the characters we're used to seeing as the mains in a lot of mainstream culture and it's one of the reasons I think why we fall in love with them so much, because they're definitely not cookie cut out characters. And there's a real depth there and there are things that make them stand out. Mm. And 
I think, again, going back to what you love about cozy fantasy, that it, it manages to be a source of comfort and familiarity, but at the same time, be completely different um, to everything else. And I think while it's not challenging the boundaries of what a story can do in terms of shocking you and scaring you and, and all, of, all of these things, taking us on off in different directions we're not expecting, what it is doing is challenging the norms of the publishing industry and who gets represented. So I think the cozy, the cozy, fan, the cozy fantasy and the cozy genres in general do a really great job of balancing comfort with pushing boundaries. Mm, that's a really good point. I actually want to just add one more example, and I've just thought about it. Despite the fact I've, I've literally just finished this book today, um, it's called Magical Midlife Madness. And um, the main character is a midlife woman. Her husband, at the beginning of the book, divorces her. Um, she's got a son who's just moved off to college. And one of the questions she has to wrestle with throughout the book is, or near the end of the book, is whether or not she wants to drink from the fountain of youth. Um, and it's such an interesting question. And And her identity is so firmly in the middle age category and in the power and strength and resilience and experience that middle-aged women have and it was one of the things that made this book awesome to read um was just that character that shone through in every mm. single page a positive portrayal of a middle-aged woman who's just gone through a divorce imagine that Woo! <laughs> and i think yeah that that's what cozy does so well as you say um I wonder if we want to like do some book recommendations so if um we have listeners here who are maybe interested in the cozy fantasy genre or are looking to dip their toes in if it's not something that you've particularly read before and you're maybe new to it a bit like um we have been then let's give let's give out some book recommendations I don't know whether you want to go first Amy uh, I'll give a couple first and then you can you can swing back around to me maybe so we have talked about tj clune i think on twitter his his handle is like book daddy or something which i mean i'm sure that's not how how he um how he means it but he is pretty much the father figure of of um cozy fantasy or at least the guardian of i want to recommend them all but that would just be a bit much right i think i'm going to recommend wolf song because actually that's one of his we've said that particularly cozy fantasy as a vessel for exploring positive queer stories. Don't necessarily rely on the the question of, um, like the challenges of sexuality, uh, but this one does. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna completely go against what we've said from the off start. Uh, so Wolf Song by CJ Clune is a fantastic novel published in 2015. Um, it is about a late teenage boy who lives with his mother. He's had a, a difficult upbringing um, and has uh, struggles with his identity anyway, particularly his uh, socioeconomic identity and his identity as like his masculine, his masculinity. And then a new family move into uh, his town and don't think it's a spoiler to say that they are werewolves. If you can't get that from the cover, then learn how to read covers. 
because on the cover there is a picture of a, a wolf howling at the moon. But yes, uh, the story is then about him coming to terms with his sexuality and with um, his relationship with this werewolf family. Um, and werewolves have been, in the past, an allegory for um, sexual identity. So it's, uh, again, it's TJ Klune using the cozy fantasy genre to challenge the boundaries of that allegory. Um, the other of his... Right, I'm going to pick one. I'm going to pick one. The other of his that I'm going to recommend is uh, In the Lives of Puppets. That was a difficult decision. So that was published uh, in 2023. So a new one. Uh, and it's... I, I've, I've made a mistake. It's cozy sci-fi. But like... <laughs> sci-fi and fantasy, fantasy go yeah, hand in hand. That's fine. That's a whole other discussion. But sci-fi and fantasy are basically the same thing. <laughs> because you have to have some kind of fantasy element in sci-fi because technology working in that way is fantastical. We won't get into it. But anyway, that is about... Um, there's a human boy whose name I've forgotten because, of course, I've, I've forgotten his name. Vic. Victor. And he is in a family of robots. And um, it's it's not... What is it about? It is about, it's an adventure story. It's a classic, cyclical call to adventure. What's the word I'm looking for? Um, yeah, it's it's about him going and finding, it's about found family. A lot of his books are about found family. And yeah, what it is about is saving humanity and finding family and all of that. Because it's TJ Klune, I will mention, otherwise I probably wouldn't have, but because it's because of the writer, I will mention that um, the main character, Victor, is asexual, so that's how it fits into his, um, of TJ Klune's queer canon of literature. So it was really fun to see that represented as well. That's not, that's not a core feature of the story in the same way it is in Wolf's Song. Yes, I think those are my two for now, and then you can come back to me. Brilliant. So uh, I think I've got three books that I want to mention, um, but two of them are the first in the series. So if you get into them, then do not worry, there will be like squillions more you can read. Um, the first one I'm going to mention is called The Invisible Library by Genevieve Cogman. This is cozy fantasy and sci-fi all in one. So, And it's got a bit of historical fiction in there as well. Um, so you've got a little bit of everything in there. It, what I love about it is it's totally different to any other book I have ever read. It is one of the most original world buildings I've ever come across. Um, and so I think that is one of its standout qualities. Plus the fact that the main character has such a sassy voice and it's so much fun reading it. Um, plus it's themed around books. So the first book is called The Invisible Library. Each um, subsequent book in the series, I believe there are eight in total, is then also themed around a bookish uh, thing. So whether it be a chapter, a story, an archive, um, and those are very much key elements that are woven in. So to give you a bit of an overview, the main character is a librarian, um, but not an ordinary librarian. Um, Irene works for the Invisible Library, which is sort of like an uh, a neutral entity that tries to save alternate worlds and alternate universes through saving pieces of literature um, from these different alternate worlds. Um, and 
Therefore, she's effectively a book thief at the moment. Um, as, as librarians get older, they then get to do their own research and study, which is basically all Irene wants to do is she just wants to hole up in the invisible library and stay there forever. But instead, you have to go out on these book hunting missions. Um, only then politics gets involved and uh, dangerous things start happening. And she's sent to a, a world with a high level of chaos, which means there are werewolves and fae and dragons and things like this. So anyway, I can highly recommend as a fast paced, fun, super easy to read, um, very lighthearted. Um, it's not particularly heavy on the romance. Um, so if that's something that is a must for you in a book, um, this wouldn't be the first thing I recommend, but there's there's a little there's a little romance line in it. Um and it was how I think I first got into cozy fantasy as, as a genre. Um not that I knew that, that was what it was called at that point. Um the second book I'm going to recommend is The House Witch by, and I apologize if I'm pronouncing this incorrectly, Delamac. Um so this is Cozy fantasy, it's your high fantasy kind of think Merlin, Court of Arthur style, medieval castles and knights and so on and so forth um, with uh, hidden magic. Um, but it's kind of, magic isn't totally outlawed. It it was outlawed and now it's kind of okay, but it's sort of also a bit taboo. Um, it's the kind of world setting that it's in. And what I love about this book is the characters are just so heartwarming. It's a very... If I say it's a very bumbly book, but in the best kind of way, like there's no suspense, there's no cliffhanger. Like it's very, it's very Anne of Green Gables, but fantasy. Um, it's um, there are lots of little things that happen that are very. It's almost like every chapter is its own little short story, um, and the thing that I love about it is the main character is something called a house witch and. I don't, I'm not going to go into it too, in too much detail because I don't want to create any spoilers for the story. But I love the concept of the house witch. It was just a concept that warms my heart and makes me go, I want to be one of these. Um, so if that is something you're interested in, go have a look at that. Um, and the last book I'm going to recommend is called Mag Magical Midlife Madness. I have just mentioned it. It's by K.F. Breen. Um, and it's also the start of a series, I believe. Um, and this is a, oh, you know what? I'm not sure what other subgenre other than just cozy fantasy. Which we... Oh, romance. This is romance cozy fantasy. Um, so you combine your classic rom-com with a magical house um, that chooses an occupant to pass on its magic to. And so the main character is at the start um, a non-magical being and yet this house chooses her and she just to begin with thinks that everyone in this house is completely bananas and then slowly realizes or finds out that there are all sorts of different magical creatures and this is why um, there have been all kinds of peculiarities that have been happening and it is joyful it is hilarious again she has an amazing voice um, so I'll just I know I've already spoken about this so I'll just mention it briefly she's She's in the midlife phase. Her husband has just divorced her. She wants an adventure. She doesn't want to crash back in with her parents. Um, and so she just takes up this caretaking job at this old mansion that she'd been to as a child on holiday. And she has such a, what's the word for it? 
such a refreshing attitude to life and kind of think of the best bits of like Bridget Jones and Sophie Kinsella and you kind of have a good idea of the kind of voice that she brings across but I'd say it's even more it's less cringe and it's more heartwarming than that but she's got that kind of vibe it was a pure joy to read and I'm really looking forward to reading the rest of the series so yes I think that would be those would be my three top recommendations that aren't tj clune because we've already given him a good shout out yeah, we we don't stop talking about him for me to recommend people that aren't tj clune uh if he's the kind of father figure guardian of cozy fantasy then diana Wynne jones is the grandmother um i would strongly recommend to anyone howl's moving castle um, which is the first in a series. She has plenty. Well, she has plenty of other books as well, but I think Howl's Moving Castle is the biggest of. It's also uh, was produced into a very cozy film by Studio Ghibli um, with some gorgeous animations. Uh, and this is about a the a woman, the eldest of three daughters, who is is just destined to fail. And she thinks, well, there's there's nothing better for me in life. And she goes and lives in the Moving Castle of a wizard who is best known for feeding on the souls of women uh, because she decides that's that's her best lot in life, uh, which doesn't sound very cosy. But when she gets there, there are just some like adorable characters, um, Calcifer, the fire demon, um, Hal's apprentice, um, who is just a treasure of a character. Um, and they they just get into all sorts of quests and it's just very magical and humorous and imaginative and just really, really lovely. Um, and my other recommendation, because I think that when you think too hard, you forget the obvious. And one of the reasons, going back to our point earlier, that cozy fantasy doesn't feel like an established genre is just because all genres are marketing terms and we use different words for them at different times. So Howl's Moving Castle was published in 1986, I want to say. So like a while ago in terms of the book world. So staring us right in the face is Terry Pratchett, which is a mm. bit of higher, it's higher stakes. Um, there's definitely, you know, a higher proportion of peril. But like we said earlier, peril, like can come into cozy and we don't generally think of that as being cozy fantasy because it's categorized as comic fantasy um because it is hilarious but i think it counts i'm claiming it i love it and there are absolutely almost terry pratchett is almost like his own genre in himself isn't he oh, yeah no it's, i am I'm not recommending big. i'm not recommending <laughs> any particular book i i'm recommending all of terry pratchett's <laughs> Excellent. Well, that, that'll keep readers busy <laughs> if you haven't already read it. Um, and of course, if you like Cozy Fantasy, Asteria Press has its first Cozy Fantasy book coming out this year. So I think this moves us quite nicely onto giving a bit of an update to where we are with Asteria Press. I don't know whether you want to kick off with this, Amy? I do. Yes. So we are like midway through line editing, possibly a bit more go and check my progress tracker and it's been a really really fun experience um i'm excited for you to receive this round of edits 
for those of you that don't know, line edits go deeper into the sentences. So trying to anywhere, anywhere where there's imagery, trying to like just really strengthen that imagery, make it more vivid and more colorful. And anywhere that, where there's matching, anywhere where there's action, just making sure that the reader is right in there with it. Um, so basically what I'm doing is going through word by word, experiencing it as the reader would and trying to bring Holly's vision in line with the reader experience. That's a very good explanation. And meanwhile, the cover design for our book is completely finished now, um, which means that work is now progressing on the spine and on the back cover. Um, so it's very exciting having a cover all together now. Um, you can start to really imagine the finished product when you have a cover. So that's really exciting. And talking of covers, our next podcast, which will be coming out in a month's time, is called How to Judge a Book by Its Cover. And we have guest speaker Wendy Mack coming to speak to us. Um, she works at Whitestone Pages. She's a professional freelance book designer, and we are super excited to get Wendy on the show to talk to us all about things book design -y. is wonderful. You're going to love it. In the meantime, you can find us on Twitter at Press Asteria uh, and on Ma Mastodon at asteriapress at bookstodon.com. Or you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Asteria Press. And I think that wraps everything up. So I hope you have a good day, guys, and keep reading. Keep reading.